Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, my guest is Derek Roddy, who describes himself as a disciple of Jesus, a Catholic, a husband, and a father. He's been married for 14 years, and his wife and him have five children. He was received into full communion in the Catholic Church at the Easter Vigil in 2004. He holds master's degrees in history and also in theology and currently serves as a director of evangelization and discipleship for his parish that he lives and works at. Uh, He also authored the book, A Life of Conversion, Meeting Christ in the Gospels. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Derek Roddy. Hey, thank you, Father Edward, for, for having me. I know this conversation has been a long time coming. Sometimes I try to recruit guests and then they fall through the cracks on my end that I don't do good follow-up. And so I'm grateful you sent me a message and and reminded me kind of when I was looking for guests, especially for these upcoming summer months, that uh, you put your name in the hat again and were able to converse and talk today because I was really struck by your book, A Life of Conversion, Meeting Christ in the Gospels, because that's precisely what the Gospels do. They give us this avenue. They give us this opportunity to meet the person of Jesus. And we think of so many people in the scriptures who came and they met Jesus and how their life was never the same. Imagine some of those people who came to Jesus and they experienced healing and their life was never the same. Think of that rich young man who came to Jesus and asked him that question and his life wasn't the same because he chose in that moment to walk away because he had many things that he couldn't give away. And so over and over again, how Christ changes lives. And I'm just wondering then in terms of how you met Christ in the gospel, what was that experience like for you? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um I always ask people, how long do you want to be here, right? Um, so I was uh, I was a very, very typical um, um, college student, right? I, you know, I, I left home and, you know, moved into the fraternity house and really, um, really lived a life of, of dissipation, much like um, uh, the, the scriptures tell us that uh, that prodigal son did, Um uh, and, and so I, um, I woke up one day, one period, uh, you know, I was kind of probably a junior, junior in college and just realized that I was, I was miserable. I was having an existential crisis and what, what's going to make me happy? What's going to fulfill me? And at first I thought it was education. I poured myself into education from that point and, you know, pretty quickly realized that that wasn't providing the, 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 the real blessed happiness that, uh, that I was seeking either. And, um, about that time I started dating a, um, a wonderful Catholic girl who introduced me to the Catholic faith and, and reintroduced that reintroduced me to, um, you know, the, the, the idea of a walk with, uh, with Jesus. And, um, you know, within, within that year, I had made the decision that I was going to uh, become Catholic and, and come into the church. And there are some other, you know, pretty, um, pretty interesting details in there that, uh, you know, maybe I could share in a longer podcast, but, um, yeah, it was really, a, a God breaking through at a time when, when I was, 
you know, really struggling, really struggling to find fulfillment and happiness. And, um, of course, God always provides that if we, if we're willing to look in the, you know, in the right path and the right places. And, and thankfully, just by his grace, I was, I was led to that right path and those, those graces. Um, I will tell you, you know, growing up as a, as a non-Catholic Christian, I, I always, um, you know, kind of really appreciated the scriptures. Now I was not part of a, um, I was part of a mainline Protestant denomination. And so there wasn't a real emphasis by the denomination on the scriptures or, you know, a lot of quote unquote training. Um, but I always personally had a, a, a real, you know, kind of devotion, if you will, to what was being said in the Bible. And, you know, you can tell by my bio, I'm a, I'm a historian too. So that's very naturally where I, I gravitate and the Bible is, is chock full of good history. And, and, um, you know, so I, I just always loved the scriptures. And so when I, when I, you know, was on my journey and then after my journey, um, like just dwelling with the scriptures and particularly the gospels as the place to, to meet Jesus, it was a very, it was a very powerful meeting place for me. And, um, I, I know that if, if I can meet him there, anybody can meet him there. Right. And, and so that's, that was one of the places where the, where the book came from. For you, as you read the scriptures, as you read the gospels, what's one of the, your favorite passages that always just speaks to you and maybe challenges you to live a better life? Mm. Mm, mm. Gosh. Um, so my absolute favorite uh, passage in the uh, in the scriptures is uh, Philippians chapter four verses eight and nine, where Paul tells us, uh, um, "Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, and if there's anything excellent, to meditate on these things, and then to do what we see him doing, i.e., Saint Paul." Right? Um, and so that's my favorite. That's my, and, and that's, uh, you know, I've, I've had for a long time, a, a great devotion to growing in the life of virtue, uh, seeking truth, goodness, and beauty. In fact, that's the, the, the title of my, uh, my website currently, com, seeking truth, goodness, and beauty. Um, and, and Paul right there in that passage is, is telling us, right? Whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is beautiful, seek those things, meditate on those things, and uh, and then do those things, right? And so that's my absolute favorite, um, just because I keep coming back to it again and again. Um, inside the Gospels, um, you know, there's there's a there's a bunch of them. I already mentioned the prodigal son, uh, the story of the two sons, uh, or the prodigal son as we commonly know it. Um, you know, I, I see so much of myself in both of those sons, right? Um, and then now I am the, the father of sons, and uh, so I, I kind of meditate on, well, what would it be like if, if I were the father in that case? Um, and then probably the favorite uh, passage that I, that I did a chapter on in the book um, is the story of, uh, of blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. Um, I just have seen myself so many times in so many ways as the blind man begging God's mercy and having my eyes opened and then being given 
the opportunity to either go my way or to follow him. And of course, some days I, I choose the, the right path and some days I choose Derek's path. Um, that may not be the right path. So, you know, I, I, I keep coming back to that one again and again and again. And it was one of my favorite chapters to write, um, in the, in the whole book. I mean, the, you know, I loved writing every chapter there. I, you know, I have particular devotion to all of those, those stories, but I think that one stands above, above all the rest. In your bio, it says that you are a convert to the faith, that you entered into full communion with the Catholic Church. And so that word conversion, and we see that in the title of your book, A Life of Conversion, Meeting Christ in the Gospels. People might look at that word conversion and think this book is your conversion story, but you're actually using the word conversion in a different way, how God calls us daily to convert, to leave behind sin, to be faithful to the gospel. And that's really what you're trying to strive for uh, in this book. Now, can you share a little bit about how converting to the Catholic faith has led you to this path of conversion daily? Yeah, so um, I, I was very blessed with um, the, the doors that, that the Lord opened for me in my process of conversion from being a, uh, you know, uh, a, a outside of relationship with him, um, deep relationship with him to where I, where I currently am. Um, and one of those was just really great formation in, um, RCIA and then, you know, other, uh, other little details. Actually, I ended up working. Um, I actually ended up getting a job as a youth minister at that parish where I had done RCIA with a really good formation team and a really good director. And so I can, I got to continue really, that process of growth and, and understanding the, the authentic biblical and, and um, Catholic understanding of conversion, right. Which comes from the Greek word metanoia, right. A change of mind, a new understanding. Um, and, and so that's what, you know, that's what conversion is. It's a turning of our mind. Well, where are we turning it? We're turning it toward Jesus Christ. Right. Um, and so, so we have to realize that um, there's there's not a single day where I am as much like Jesus Christ as I ought to be until the day that I'm you know fully in His presence in heaven, and therefore every day is a is a process or an opportunity for a process of of turning one's mind of of that conversion, and so. Um, I, and I know myself, I mean, I know that I am, a, you know, I, I can be very prideful, I can be very cynical, I can be very stubborn, um, and so I know I'm not like Jesus, right, on, on most times of most days, and that brings me back to uh, knowing I, I need conversion, I need ongoing, lifelong conversion, and, and so this came, A, from, like I said, the the, um, the group of people who I was around, my pastor and, and the, the director who became my mentor in this uh, line of work, and, and, um, and then also from just sitting and dwelling with the scriptures personally, right? I was very blessed to go to some training conferences where I picked up this, um, uh, a real effective process of Lexio Divina, divine reading, praying with scripture, 
And um, it's really the the book is actually the fruit of many years of of that Lexio Divina um, on those particular scripture passages, giving me insight and inspiration into what it takes to to be converted, right? Um, not just from Methodist to Catholic like I was, but to be continually converted to Jesus Christ every day. Also in the scriptures, we meet the Blessed Mother. And so your book, A Life of Conversion, Meeting Christ in the Scriptures, now on this podcast, I'd like to maybe make a turn and say, how is it then in the life of a convert, one coming into the church, that you met the Blessed Virgin Mary in the pages of the Scriptures? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, so so just to, again, a little backstory, I, you know, as a, as a non-Catholic Christian and you know, I mean, we, we, we knew who Mary was, quote-unquote, right? We, we, you know, talked about her, you know, once a year in December leading up to Christmas, and she's the the, the mother of our Lord, right, the mother of Jesus. And, and there really wasn't much of a thought about that um, until, you know, I, I came toward the Church and began becoming Catholic. And unlike many of the, the Protestant, uh, you know, converts, quote-unquote, who we— who we deal with, um, you know, I, I didn't have a real issue, right? I'm a historian, and so I am well aware that, um, you know, the, the, the Jews, right, good Jewish mothers are, are going to be the, you know, they're going to dote on their sons, and their sons are going to honor them and, and want anybody who follows them to honor mother too. So, right, that wasn't an issue in my mind uh, or my heart as I was, um, as I was, converting, um, in, uh, coming into the Catholic faith. Now, what I will tell you is, I, as, as I came into the faith, I did, you know, I realized, okay, Catholics have this thing called the Rosary, and every good Catholic prays the Rosary, so I want to be a good Catholic, so I need to learn to pray the Rosary. And so I started that process, and then I quickly found myself feeling that that was, that that was I guess, taking me away from a devotion to Jesus. Um and, and what I, you know, so I, I put it down for a little while, and then when I came back to it, I realized, well, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't exactly as, as I had thought, because the reality is that Mary is, is the mother of our Lord. She's the best disciple of our Lord, and she is never going to let us love her more than she loves our Lord. And, and so if I am growing in devotion to Mary and love of Mary— I am ipso facto growing in in deeper devotion and love uh, to Jesus Christ. You know, we might have to look for that. We might have to probe a little bit. But um, once I once I got that, I, I picked up the Rosary again and um, and really began praying it uh, began praying it daily, um, which I have done for for most of the you know uh, most of the seventeen years that I've been Catholic. Maybe well, I, I guess maybe ten of those years, right? Um, been praying it quite almost every day. Um, you know, and, and one of the things about this is that, of course, we we don't meet Mary much in the scriptures, right? We have those we have those couple of uh, chapters there at the beginning of uh, of two of the gospels, and then we've got the um, you know the wedding feast at Cana in the Gospel of John, for example, and then Mary at the you know the foot of the cross in John's Gospel, which are all wonderful places for, um, 
you know, meditation and, and, um, I, I love Advent is my absolute favorite season of the liturgical year, partially because of the anticipation that we, we sit with Mary in anticipation of the birth of our Lord. And so, you know, I, I, I love that. Um, but quite honestly, in my book, there, there's not, um, I, I'm trying to rack my brain right now, but I can't, I can't think of, you know, I mean, the emphasis was specifically on meeting Jesus in the Gospels. Um, so there's not a whole lot in the book that that references uh, Mary. There might be some, you know, small part about a devotion to Mary. Um, but, uh, you know, just like um, Mary, you know, at, at one point, you know, pointing to Jesus and, and you know, and, and telling people that, you know, he is the he is the Lord. He is the focal point. He is the the emphasis. I would I would say that uh, you know Mary is is certainly that uh, for my for the book right for my own uh, writing and and scholarship right where she um, you know just just kind of points to Jesus and says look focus on him because I mean that's what that's what she's supposed to do for us anyway. So um, you know she was she was definitely a um, a, a patroness of the book, right? So actually it's one of the places the book came from. I, uh, I was, I was getting up to do a, um, a really early formation session with a group of guys every Friday morning at five forty-five. I would get up and, and so I'd get up about four thirty, and I'd drive over there and on my way driving over there, I would, I would pray the rosary and my whole, the whole rosary was being prayed for conversion for my conversion, for the conversion of these men, and for the conversion of some other people who I was particularly praying for. And I had no idea as I was praying that, that the Lord was preparing this book, right? Um, uh, and so I had prayed through uh, particularly Our Lady of Fatima. I have a, um, a, a great devotion to that, that apparition. And... Um, Conversion, of course, is is very central in that message. And so, you know, as I'm praying through Our Lady of Fatima for the conversion of these people and for myself, that the Lord then was actually also preparing a a, a book out of it, right? That that uh, became the book that that you have there. You mentioned earlier that you're a historian, and so you kind of approached Mary from that historical perspective, from your mind's eye. And then you mentioned also that she was the patroness of your book. And I know that you kind of see Mary as the patroness of history in some sense. And so how do you see Mary's role as she's been interacting from her place in heaven all throughout history? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, (laughs) this is one of the, um, that's a fascinating topic for me. Um, so I am I am blessed. I teach a um, a couple of uh, college level history courses uh, at a, a local university, and it's a it's a secular university. But one of the ways that I'm teaching this is a um, it's a it's called a dual enrollment class. It's high school students that are enrolled in the college class, and I actually teach that at the local Catholic high school to these you know to these Catholic school students, and so we've had the, the great blessing of, um, of, of beginning each class day with, with prayer. And so what I do is I begin with St. Thomas Aquinas's 
uh, prayer for study, and then we we close with um, asking for the intercession of Our Lady Seat of Wisdom, um, Our Lady Seat of Wisdom as a as a patroness of of Catholic education, and uh, you know so this is something that I've you know it's become much clearer and much uh, you know much richer in in my own life right as I've as I've done this. Um, so, so the point of education as a whole, and then the point of me, you know, teaching history and the, the history that I want to convey to these students is, is not, um, you know, a perfect GPA. It's not, you know, tons of scholarship dollars. It's not athletic prowess, right? The ability to play on the soccer field or the basketball court. Um, the point of education is growth in the life of wisdom, growth in wisdom. And, you know, um, I, I teach my students from the very beginning that there are things active in the universe, in the world, in history, that we can't see, that we can't measure. And the, one of those being the, the, the influence of, of not only the angels and God himself, but you know, Mary, right, who is, is a human person who uh, walked this earth and, and now, you know, um, watches over us from, from heaven. Um, so, so we do every class, you know, Our Lady Seat of Wisdom, pray for us, and, um, because that's what I want to pass on to these students, wisdom. You know, um, yeah, I like giving A's. I, you know, that shows me that they've put in the work. Um, but I really want to pass on wisdom. Because wisdom, uh, in that kind of, I guess, uh, classical definition from, you know, Thomas Aquinas about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective, right? And so if we can see things from God's perspective, from history, from economics, from, you know, politics and sociology and, you know, science and all, right, if we can see those things from, from God's perspective, we're going to be able to choose rightly, going back to Philippians 4, 8, and 9, right? Whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, do these things. And if we have wisdom, we're going to be able to uh, to do that. One of the things I've noticed uh, from following you is that uh, you write for a website called Catholic Exchange. And so, you know, this is a great place, a great website. I write for it, you write for it, uh, where we exchange these ideas, the wisdom that we've gained from our study of the Catholic faith, and now we share it so that others might learn. And one of the things you wrote back in February was our 15-year wedding feast at Cana. And of course, I love that. Cana is one of my favorite biblical mysteries in a sense. And one of the things that always strikes me, and I never tire saying it, is that I think we need to allow Mary to see the needs of our own life, just as she saw the needs of that couple even before they knew it. So from her place in heaven, she can see what our needs are and attend to us just as she did for that couple could you just share some insights about your own married life and also that of the wedding feast at Cana? Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, that we we did celebrate uh, our fifteenth wedding anniversary here uh, just a couple months back, and and where that where that came from? Of course, I you know spending time in holy hour in the chapel, and um, you know I. 
probably back in October or November, I just, I, I started getting this um, sense that I really needed to, uh, to do something special for my wife in this way for our 15th anniversary. Um, and so I started really meditating on the wedding feast of Cana. And listen, Father Edward, you, you, you pastor, you, you know that, you know, anybody who's been married for about three days has, you know, has marriage, um, troubles, has marriage, you know, their, their marriage needs to be tended to. And, you know, my wife and I have certainly been through seasons that, you know, we, um, we've needed, uh, that tending to from each other and from the Lord and from Mary. And, you know, this, this does, um, you know, happen to be one of those seasons where we're, we're trying to navigate that. And I just, you know, I, I, I placed that before the Lord and before Mary and said, okay, how can I take this story in scripture and, and let that, you know, tend to, um, to our marriage right now. And, um, you know, so that's, that's where the, the, the article came from. Okay. And then as I was looking at it, um, as I was meditating on the, the, the passage, right, there are a number of, uh, of fascinating insights that, that came to me. And, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull it up here real quick and, uh, it's not, it's not pulling up, um, just cause I don't want to tell you the wrong thing. Right. You know, um, one of the things that came to me was like those six stone jars that, um, you know, that Jesus gave to the, you know, or were there for the purification rites and Jesus told them to fill it up with water. Well, our lives, our natural lives on this earth, um, are, are made up of various areas. And I kind of analogized those jars to those areas. So we've got our life of, you know, finance and, and work and our life of raising children and our life of even our, even our sexuality, right? And these are these jars that are areas of our lives. And what happens is that we, we, we are told by the Lord, fill those up with what you have, Right i.e. water in this case. And then I, Jesus says, will take it when you try to present it, and I will turn it into something else. I will turn it into something amazing, right? So we can only do what we can do, right? And, and, and God, you know, God doesn't expect that we are going to do something that we can't do. But what he does want us to do is to give what we have so that he can take it and he can transform it into something even better. So, um, you know, there are, there are just, uh, some fascinating insights that I had. So, so what I did actually, Father Edward, I took that, those insights, um, and I actually wrote her a letter, right? I, I just wrote her, wrote her out a letter, um, giving these kind of thoughts. And then I, and then I took it and turned it into the article. So, um, you know, I edited it slightly because, you know, obviously the, the things that were more personal in there didn't need to be in the article, but that's, uh, that's, you know, that's some of the things you get, um, you know, and, and Mary as, as intercessor, right? Mary is watching the situation, you know, and, and the, the, um, the bride and groom don't even ask her, right? She, she notices. And, and so, Mary, as our as our mother, as our patroness, as our intercessor, I hope is is watching and 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 pleading 
to Jesus for me, even if I don't know that something's going wrong or something that I need something right. That she's, she's already one step ahead of me. Um, which is, which is so comforting because I can be very dense and, and stubborn and, you know, not see these things, uh, as quickly. So. One of the things I do always to end this podcast is just to ask a few uh, general questions about your own Marian devotion and maybe something that can help others as well. Uh, And one of those questions always is, uh, do you have a tip to help people pray their rosary better? So I think that lots of people might say, I don't know if I really pray the rosary. I don't know if I pray it well. And do you have a tip that helps you to pray the rosary and, uh, you know, maybe with greater satisfaction? Indeed. The thing that really helped me more than anything, I was up at, uh, I was up at Franciscan university for uh, a summer training conference. And I was in that little Portsiuncola chapel there. That's, uh, off to the, you know, the side on the campus where, you know, that's modeled after the, the, the church in Assisi where St. Francis heard, go rebuild my church. Um, and it came to me that if I wanted to pray the rosary really fruitfully, I could take the passage of the Bible that was related to the mystery of the rosary. So let's say the Annunciation, right? I could take that passage of the Bible that details the Annunciation and I could read that, and then I could pray the decade of the rosary uh, over that passage or with that passage. And what that actually did is it opened up a way to reading and praying the scriptures that was, again, very not only very fruitful for me spiritually, but gives a lot of the insights that are, that are there in the book. Because um, what would happen is words would pop out of those passages to me, and I would just spend the whole decade meditating on those particular words, right? Um, and so, and, and then what I would learn to do is I'd learn to take other passages or other books of the Bible, the New Testament letters or the, the Psalms or whatever it is, and do that same thing while praying the rosary. So meditating on those particular words, it gave my, it gave my mind something to focus on. It gave my, you know, connections to be made. And so that has just been a very, very powerful way for me to, um, to pray the rosary, to pray the scriptures, to meditate on the scriptures and the life of Jesus, because what I end up doing is taking that word or, or phrase and saying, how does that word or phrase reveal something about this mystery of Jesus's life that I'm supposed to be meditating on here in the rosary? It's been incredibly fruitful for me. Um, again, I've written some other you know, written some other articles in some other places that, uh, you know, are, are kind of dealing with some of those things and are the fruit of, of those meditations. So. You mentioned Fatima was your favorite Marian apparition. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. And I had the great, uh, I had the great pleasure, the great fortune to, uh, to, to go to, uh, visit Fatima. I was uh, leading a group of, uh, uh, teens on a pilgrimage to the World Youth Day in 2011 in Madrid, and we we went through uh, Portugal first. We went into Lisbon and stayed there for a couple days, and Fatima was the, the big side trip there, so um, I got to go, and, and in that preparation, one of the, the parents of one of the teens 
gave me a couple of things, gave me a, a book by Father Apostoli um, called Fatima for Today, the Marian Message of Hope, and, um, and a, little, um, a little rosary devotional book that was written by a guy who had a devotion to, uh, to Fatima, and so there's a prayer that goes before the rosary that is specifically focused on Fatima, and I have prayed that Every day that I have prayed the rosary since then have started that rosary with that prayer um, for the intercession of Our Lady of Fatima, and, and it just, it's grown and grown and grown. Um, I, you know, I want to go back to Portugal and go back to Fatima, and, and I've even done some writing about, you know, Fatima and hope and conversion and things like that, so. And then, is there a Marian shrine? So you've been to Fatima, but is there another Marian shrine? And probably, you know, this doesn't have to be a place of apparition that you've been to. So there's lots of shrines to different titles of Mary, etc. Uh, that really left an impression on you. Um, I, I, I must, uh, I must admit, Father, I, you know, uh, Fatima just. Uh, it, 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 it blew me away. It takes the um, cake. I've always said since I came back, if, you know, if I ever have to move outside the United States, I'm going to Fatima, Portugal. Um, honestly, I, um, I, we have been to, um, our lady of the snows in Belleville, Illinois. Um, I, I, I can't say that it left a, a really powerful impression. I mean, it has some, um, interesting it has place. some replicas, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it had some replicas. I think if I remember correctly, it has a replica of, of La Salette, right? The Lord's apparition, um, which is one that has fascinated me. I have never, I've never been to Lourdes. I would, I would love to go to Lourdes. Um, I've got friends now who live up your way in Wisconsin near the, um, the Our Lady of Guadalupe shrine there. in uh, I guess it's in La Crosse. Um, you know, I, but I must admit here stateside there is not a whole lot that we have that we have done um i'm kind of racking my brain through some of this um yeah not 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 shrine so much uh related to mary there and i think part of it is just my uh the great experience that i had in fatima it's like what, what's going to compare to that you know <laughs> sure so, you mentioned wanting to live in Fatima if you ever moved outside of the United States. For me, I would probably say I would go live in Lourdes. I would uh, go there in a heartbeat. I've been there four, five, six times now, and just a, a very powerful place of prayer and grace for me. Uh, it's a place I go to if I'm looking for renewed faith or hope or whatever the case might be. Uh, you sure. mentioned you mentioned the Father Andrew Apostoli book, and there are lots of books also about the Blessed Mother, about apparitions, but other books too in general. Is there a book about Mary that you would recommend to people? Oh gosh, yes. Um, so I'm in the I'm in the process of um, of writing a, another book. This time it is um, it is on Fulton Sheen and. Uh, the American cultural conversation of the 20th century. Um, and, uh, and as I have gotten into that, um, I've been having to, uh, you know, really dive into, uh, a lot of Fulton Sheen's stuff. And so one would be, uh, the world's first love, right. Which is his great book of, uh, of Marian devotion, um, which deals with both Fatima and other, 
other apparitions. Um, so that would be one. Um, another one that Father Father Apostoli wrote is um, is called "Following Mary to Jesus," right? And that's that's of course the the whole trajectory, right? I mean, we are not called to go to Mary to stay with Mary. We're called to go to Mary because she's going to take us closer to Jesus. So um, that would be a, another one, very, very simple. I mean, Father Apostoli writes very clearly and very simply. Um, and so that would be another one. Um, uh, Henri, uh, was it Henri, not Henri de Lubac? Um, oh, the... Um, Ratzinger? Rahner. Hugo Rahner. Hugo Rahner. Not, 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 not Carl Rahner, but Hugo <laughs> Rahner wrote a wrote a book called um, Mary Mary in the Church, I think, um, that I, you know, just I, I happened upon a copy of very early on and, you know, in my Catholic uh, life and growth and devotion. And, um, you know, and then, of course, there is Ratzinger's, um, I think he wrote it with von Balthasar called Mary the Church at its source or something, something like yeah. that. Um you know, so, and, and I, I, I'll remember, you know, when I was early in my Catholic days, um, I read the Ratzinger report and he had a, there's a chapter in there about, about Mary. So it's not as detailed as any of the others. And of course it's his, um, you know, his reflection on his own devotion and, and the teaching of the church that it was really powerful for me. It was, you know, all of maybe five or 10 pages, but it was very powerful for me understanding what Marian devotion means in the life of the church. So, um, yeah, I'm always good for a, for a book recommendation. I, I love recommending books. I love reading books. I love writing books. I, you know, so um, we could be here all day talking about that. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation today, Derek, about your book, A Life of Conversion, Meeting Christ in the Gospels, and how that really extended then to how we meet Mary and how we meet Mary in history and in education. And we've had such a great conversation today. And if people want to learn more about you, if they want to follow your writings and your works, how can they do that? Uh, So the the best place is to go to my website, DerekRotty.com, D-E-R-E-K, R-O-T-T-Y dot com. Uh, I am on, um, I am on Facebook and Twitter, um, Twitter at Derek Roddy. Uh, Facebook is, um, I think it's at Roddy author, something like that. But the, the title of the page is seeking truth, goodness, and beauty, right? Cause that's, uh, that's, that's what our, our, our Lord tells us to do. That's what St. Paul tells us to do. That's what our lady helps us to do. We're seeking truth goodness and beauty. So that's the, the name of the author page, Seeking Truth, Goodness and Beauty. Um, I have my Amazon author page uh, there. They can get the book at their local Catholic bookstore or on uh, on Amazon. It's also available as a, as a Kindle version. Um, and I would, I would very much appreciate uh, people going to grab the book. And, and if they do read it, leave a review just because that helps authors out. And, um, you know, if there's uh, an opportunity to, to come speak, um, about the book or about some other uh, topic that, that I know a little bit about, I'd be happy to visit a parish or a diocese or a, another group to uh, to share those insights. And, you know, I'm just grateful for the opportunity here, Father. Well, that's great. And if people pick up your book and add it to their spiritual reading soon, they will also then begin to walk that path of daily conversion of life that Jesus calls us to. So thanks so much for being with me today, Derek. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Father. Thank you for having me. 